0: Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church. I'm the pastor of Emerging Ministries here in our community of faith. It's good to be with you back again. Uh, Here's the sermon podcast for this week. This will be the sermon that I preach for our... We're actually live streaming our worship this week from the River Forest uh, United Methodist Sanctuary. So we are coming to a close of our sermon series that we're calling What Next? Part 2. And so I'll be doing a little bit of reflecting on kind of what to expect or not expect as we continue to move into what we hope will be uh, fully being back together as a community uh, post-pandemic. I'm going to start by reading from the Gospel of John. This is uh, John 21, verses 1 through 19. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered together there were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes for he was naked and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, a 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. May God's blessing be on the hearing and living out of this word. I was going to look up the exact date, and so I may be off a little bit, but sometime in the next two, three weeks or so, it will have been the 35th anniversary of my graduation from high school, Uh, which means, of course, there will be a reunion that's planned, I think, the anyway, is it's planned later this summer, hopefully far enough uh, into vaccination and the numbers will be down. We'll be gathering together with uh, the class of 1986 in West Delaware High School I don't know if you've ever gone to any kind of reunion, high school or college or whatever, but there's this such a weird feeling reunions bring about. It's it's a weird mix of wanting to go back, kind of. There's a part of you that may want to go back to the way things were. Maybe that's a little bit of nostalgia that is bubbling up inside you, but also maybe feeling a little anxious Because you know that's not possible, and maybe for some or many, they don't want that to happen. But also, you'll be seeing people who will have changed. You may know them, or think you know them. You know the 16, 17, 18-year-old version, but life goes on. Bodies change. People like myself lose their hair. And you wonder, as you walk up with this feeling of nostalgia and anxiety, Will I recognize everyone? Or maybe even worse, will they recognize me? It's hard to go back in time and want it to kind of be the same, but also knowing that's not possible. That may be a hint of what we are all feeling as we begin to dip our toes into coming back together as a community. Not just the communities where you live, but also for us as Urban Village, as a worshiping community, or if you're part of another church, the community that you belong to. Again, it's this weird mix of wanting to go back to the way things were pre-pandemic, but feeling a little anxious because you know that's not perhaps fully possible. And maybe you wonder, will people have changed? Will I recognize everyone And again, the question, will they recognize me? From the survey, we had a a survey that we sent out to folks at the church and 150 people responded. So we had a great response rate uh, and people asked lots of good, important, necessary questions when thinking about what happens when we come back. How will communion happen? Because we had a common loaf and the clergy would hold the loaf up and we would share in that loaf. We would take, literally take from the same bread. Will that change? What about hospitality time? What about post-worship coffee hour? How about that? What Will we still be wearing masks? And singing, I mean, singing is the one thing that people named again and again and again that they miss the most. And then will the same people be around? There will be some new people. There have been a good number of people who have found our church online. So when you ask them what site they attend, they kind of shrug their shoulders. I've never been to a site yet. So all of this is kind of bubbling up inside us. And we wonder in our minds, what will it be like? Will it be the same? Do we want it to be the same? How will things have changed? This mix of wanting the familiar, but dealing with so much uncertainty and change. And that's the scenario we see in our scripture today. So on Easter, at least at the site that I was at in the podcast that I recorded a few weeks ago, we read from John 20, the common passage that we read on Easter Sunday. And in that passage, Jesus appears to Mary. Another common text that is read after Easter, maybe a Sunday or two after Easter, is a little bit later in John 20 when Jesus appears to other disciples and, of course, to Thomas. We know the story of Thomas wanting proof that it is Jesus. And now we pick it up in John 21, and there are seven of the disciples who are gathered there. I always like to use my imagination and maybe even insert myself into the story. So I'd invite you to do that with me here, trying to imagine what would these disciples have been feeling? It had to be a, such a weird place emotionally. I mean, they knew the crucifixion happened, and maybe that brings some shame, because they know they also weren't literally there. Some of them had abandoned Jesus, but they knew that it happened. They knew that Jesus was killed by the government. And yet they also know Jesus appeared to them in a different form, a different sense. And so now Jesus is not there with them. And so they had to be asking themselves, is this all true? Did that really happen? How are we supposed to feel about all of this? So I don't know about you, but whenever I'm in a place of uncertainty, what sometimes I find helpful is I go back to what I know to what's familiar. And that's what we see in this passage. I love this. Peter Simon Peter says, "I am going fishing." And the other six say, "We will go with you." I wonder how long it has been since they fished. Did they fish at all while following Jesus around? So, they are going back to what they know. They know how to fish. Now, what else do the disciples know how to do? Well, they know how to eat. They know how to gather at the Gospel of John We read we don 't have to read very long before chapter two already there 's a party going on the wedding, so they know how to have a party. They know what it means to gather together around food, and that is an excellent go to and that 's what we begin to see in this passage after they have caught the fish and they recognize Jesus. They have fished because they know how to do that. And then what else do they know how to do? We know how to eat. We know how to be with friends. We know how to watch Jesus break bread with them. So that's what they know. That may be something that you have done in the midst of this pandemic. People either knew how to cook and bake, or they thought this is something that feels like something I can control, something that I can do. There was an article I read in the Atlantic magazine. The article came out about two or three months into the pandemic, and it talked about all of the different things that, of course, were being uh, sold out. People were buying all the different things to cleanliness and quarantine and toilet paper and everything else. And then people were buying dried beans and canned tomatoes. And then after all of that What was the thing that people started selling out or stores started selling out of? Flour. One flour company said that their sales skyrocketed 2,000% in the early weeks of the pandemic. That's something that many people could do. They knew that. In the midst of mystery, let's go back to what we know. I'd like to think that's what we know how to do at Urban Village, too. It's one of the reasons why we have communion every week. It's one of the reasons why people gather for brunch, why we have coffee with one another. And that's one reason why we are trying to do that as much as we can this summer. So many people in the survey, in addition to what are the things you miss most, it's, it's singing together. It's just being with one another. And so we're trying to Create as many of these events outside and as safely as possible, just so that we can do that and begin to build that fellowship up again. Because that's something that we know how to do. We know how to have meals. We know how to have a party. We know how to see and be with one another. And so much mystery, that's something that we can cling to, and that's something that we are going to try to provide for everyone. So what else should the disciples know how to do? Well, Jesus showed them, taught them in John 13 and 14. In John 13, Jesus washes their feet. And then later on, he says to them, just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. That's one of the key things that Jesus so wants his disciples to know. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another one another. Love. Jesus had to be hoping and praying. I hope you all remember how to love one another. And I think Jesus makes that point repeatedly by asking Peter the question three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Love is the thing. Jesus is reminding them, I taught you this. You know how to do this. Have you ever had a, been in a teaching situation where maybe a teacher or a coach or a parent or somebody, like so much, I, we, we know this, you know this, we've gone over this. And they so want you to take it in so that it becomes a part of who you are. And I think this is one of the messages that Jesus wants his disciples to know, and I think wants us to know that even though things are so different, even though the disciples are wondering what is going on, is Jesus dead? Is he not? What are we supposed to do? I think Jesus is trying to tell them, just as I have loved you, you must also love one another. It is the love that remains. It is the love that remains In the midst of the mystery, it is the love that remains. How do we live that out? How do we enact love? How do we give love flesh? And again, Jesus tells them, when he asks Simon Peter, do you love me? Jesus isn't just doing this to fill up his own heart, he is trying to make a point. Simon says, of course, you, you know I love you. And Jesus gives him three different instructions. The first one, the first one was this. Jesus says, feed my lambs. I don't know if Jesus intentionally said lambs before sheep. I kind of like to think so. Because lambs, of course, are more fragile. They're younger. They're in need of more in, they're in more need of care. They are the most at risk. So when Jesus says, feed my lambs, perhaps he is saying, look for those who are the weakest, for those who need care the most, the ones who are overlooked, the ones who are in the most danger because of all of the predators that are around them. Feed my lambs, love them first I read this really powerful article a few days ago in the Chicago Tribune. There's a group in Milwaukee called the Black Triage String Ensemble. The name of the this group is a man named David Halman. It is a group made up of black and Latinx string players, and what they do is they bring their instruments to scenes of tragedy tragically. It's shootings mostly, but it's also suicides, overdoses, car accidents. And these musicians gather together in this place of raw emotion when people are most vulnerable, those who are hurting, and they play concerts around the five stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. They play a song for each stage, and then they play a sixth song What Hallman calls sixth stage of grief, and that is faith, and they do it away from what had happened, but enough so that people hear what they have to say. And in the article, he said to guard. Hallman said to guard against hardening our humanity is one reason why they do it. The humanity that's been lost, whether it's because we view someone as expendable or just a sheer lack of care and compassion, this is how we begin to rescue that back. They go in the place where people are most fragile and they share their gift, in this case, the gift of music, and they feed them. They feed them with the viola and the bass and the cello so that others might reclaim their humanity through this music. And he's wanting to start an ensemble in Chicago, which is where he was born. And also in this article, Damon says, Chicago, unlike any other city in the country, has shown me what love looks like. Which was striking to me. I've lived in the city now for coming up on 12 years. And I read every single day in the news. And there are so many things, understandably so, that bring anxiety and fear. And I wonder, is the city ever going to make progress? And so it struck me that he said, Chicago taught me what love is. Perhaps that's what Jesus wanted to more than anything else. In this season of mystery and anxiety, and we don't quite know how we are going to move into it, we wonder what has changed. We have a desire to go back to the way things were, and yet we know that's not possible. So, how can we live into this? How can we live in community? We we go back to what we know, and we gather, and we trust, that God is with us in the midst of that, that Jesus' spirit and presence is with us when we break bread with one another. But more than anything else, we have to believe and trust that it is love that is the thing that does not change. As we live into this, as we live into what the world will look like, and we don't know exactly what that is, and that mystery is so scary, but we trust that love is the thing that won't change. It may look different. We may experience it in different ways. But the essence of the love that Jesus had for his disciples and the love that Jesus has for us that we see in the crucifixion and the resurrection, that still remains no matter what. And we share that love with others by first feeding the lambs of our world and our society. Who are those that are most fragile? Who need to know? love the most. That is where we must turn our hearts and our minds and our lives. It is overwhelming to think about what it will be like to go back into the normal. And for some, it may take a lot longer than others. Will people change? When we have these reunions, will they look different? Will we recognize one another? Will they recognize me? In the midst of all of that, we trust and believe that love will be the thing that stays with us. And so receive that love that we receive from Christ and then take that love. Look for those who are most fragile and share it. Feed them so that they know that love too. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening to this podcast. We have all of our different um, staff members and clergy who share every single week. So keep uh, tuning in and subscribe to this on Podbean or wherever you get your podcast. Um, Until the next time, friends, may the peace of Christ be with you. And thou my true word I ever